Good evening and welcome to the March 26, 2019 Astoria Planning Commission. We have the roll call, please. Planner Furber. Commissioner Price. Here. Commissioner Warren. Here. Commissioner Cameron Here. Commissioner Corcoran. Here. Commissioner Womack. Here. Chair Fitzpatrick. Here. Okay. From the minutes for February 5th, 2019, did we have any changes or amendments? Okay, we have a motion. I move we approve the minutes of the February 5th, 2019 Planning Commission meeting. Moved by Councilor Commissioner Price. Is there second. a second? Second. <laughs> second by Commissioner Cameron Lavick. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? February 26th minutes. Changes or amendments? Seeing none. I'll move to approve the minutes of the February 26, 2019 meeting. Moved by Commissioner Moore. Second. Seconded by Commissioner Womack. Okay, the, I should also point out that in attendance tonight we have a vote. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. We'll vote. <laughs> so all those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Seeing none. Motion carries. Thank you. In attendance tonight, we also have the city staff, planner Nancy Ferber, special projects planner Rosemary Johnson, city manager Ralph Estes, acting as the interim community development director, and the city attorney planning chart. Okay, the Astoria Planning Commission will handle several matters tonight with a public hearing. The order I'm going to follow for each public hearing is outlined in a handout called Procedures for Conduct of Public Hearings Available from Staff. In each case, I will identify the subject, announce when the public hearing is open, and ask anyone interested to testify regarding the matter. If you wish to speak, please be sure to sign the hearing sign-in sheet located on the side table. You should address your remarks to whether or not the application in question meets the necessary criteria. So we are going to go a little bit out of order this evening. Uh, item three, um, there has been a change and I will allow Mr. Estes to address that. So on, uh, it's item 4C on the agenda. It's uh, noted as the third item on the agenda overview, which is a miscellaneous <coughs> review MR 1901 uh, for an interpretation as to whether a retail store that sells cannabis and related materials is classified as a tourist oriented retail sales and service established for, for the development code was on your agenda tonight. The applicant's attorney for this uh, item um, um, determined that they were not available to attend the planning commission meeting tonight and so they have requested that the uh, planning commission postpone the public hearing uh, to your next regular meeting uh, which is going to be uh, April the 23rd um, and what staff would ask is if it would be possible to start your meeting a little bit earlier that evening at 6 p.m. Um, that uh, we're anticipating a number of items uh, on that agenda and starting a half an hour earlier would, would give a little bit more room to be able to, uh, to, be able to handle those items. So what it's uh, requested is that the Planning Commission um, 
postpone and continue the hearing to April 23rd at 6 p.m. Um, I would also note that that uh, meeting will be held at the Judge Boynton building um, in that uh, budget committee meetings will be happening in this room uh, that evening. So uh, I would ask that that be a motion and, uh, and um, made to be able to forward that item to April 23rd. I would also note uh, that uh, the applicant in this case has extended the 120-day rule by a commensurate amount of days uh, to be able to provide additional time for the city of Astoria to hear this item. Great. Thank you, Mr. Estes. So we should have a vote then. Uh, we should have a motion and a second and then a vote on continuing this hearing until the April 26th, 26th meeting. April 23rd. April 23rd meeting, sorry, at 6 p.m. At the Judge Boynton building. At the Judge Boynton building. Um, and then should we do that before or after we allow public comment? It would be my recommendation to make it clear to be able to, um, while there are some individuals in the audience tonight, we have been able to let them know that this was coming forward, uh, to be able to postpone and just continue the item in entirety uh, to that uh, that next meeting. Okay. So would somebody like to make that motion? May I just ask a question, Mr. Estes? Um, will you remind us what else is on the agenda for that meeting? Um, you're going to have um, a a code amendment, uh, which is going to be dealing with transient lodging, um, and also a set of code updates, uh, which uh, community development staff has been working on for the development code. Um, also, I uh, am anticipating you may have a continuance of the Bridge Vista overlay item. We understand that there's going to be a request for that to be continued, um, and so Bridge Vista overlay would also be continued to that meeting. Did you want to make that motion, or is Mr. Erskine? I'll go ahead. Go ahead. I'll move to continue the miscellaneous request MR 1901 by Jeremy Lumaki to the April 23rd, 2019 Planning Commission starting at 6 p.m. at the Boynton Building. Do we have a second? Second. And I believe that was Commissioner Price? Indeed. Great. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. So, Mr. Estes, would it be appropriate then to allow public comment on that tonight? I would, I would recommend that we not. And what I would do is encourage if there are individuals um, who are here tonight and they want to provide any written testimony between now and then, that that can, can be done to be able to start getting any information into the record. And that information will be provided to the Planning Commission and you're invited to come and testify at the, at the next meeting as well. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Okay, the first actual hearing that we will have tonight is conditional use CU 19-01 by James DeFeo <coughs> to locate a tourist lodging facility in an existing commercial building at 240 11th Street in the C4 zone. Uh, what we should do is ask if any of the commissioners have any ex parte or conflicts of interest to declare. I do. <clears throat> um, I'm going to recuse myself for this hearing. Um, I don't have a direct conflict of interest specific to this project, but the applicant and I own similar businesses that are in direct competition, um, and I couldn't say with confidence that I could be unbiased. Great. 
Thank you, Commissioner Cameron. Anyone else? Okay, I should note that I visited the site when it was open during the January 2019, I believe, Second Saturday Art Walk, and Jeff Daly asked what I thought about the use that is proposed tonight. And recognizing that it might come before the Planning Commission, I stated that I had to withhold my opinion and would not comment further until after the public hearing, and I left the space. For further disclosure, I was in the space about six months ago when Mr. DeFeo, through Mr. Daly, offered me a display cabinet that was taking up space in the area in which they thought might work in a building that I own. Mr. Daly and I moved the cabinet with the help of two others. At that time, there was no discussion about the future use of the space, and I do not believe that the cabinet was offered to me to sway my opinion on the application that we have in front of us this evening. Therefore, I believe that I can be impartial in my decision regarding this application. Anyone else? Okay. Could we have a presentation of the staff report and recommendation? Yes. So this is a conditional use permit for a tourist-oriented lodging facility, which is a conditional but not outright use in the C4 that downtown no. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so the proposal is to locate a two-bedroom unit for short-term lodging, that's anything that's less than 30 days, in an existing commercial building. So this is the back part of the gallery and the cargo retail sales establishment there. So it was some underutilized storage space that is proposed to be used for an event space and then two bedrooms for overnight stays, either for general tourists or artists that are um, showing at the gallery and sticking around for Art Walk. Um, like I mentioned, they're utilizing some underused storage spaces. They've already converted the building, so we have to review this as if it hasn't been up and running in advertised already, um, but they're coming in for their permits now. I did want to note there's a number of conditions of approval from the building official that need to be met for occupancy, changing out some railings, nothing that will affect the use, but just some public health safety, changing out exit signs. So those are noted at the end as recommendations for approval to be completed prior to occupancy. Um, C4 does not require off-street parking, but Parking can be triggered by a conditional use permit. The applicant noted in their documents that they're almost seeing three or four parking spaces in the private lot that they own adjacent to the site. Um, and they're expecting use after hours and utilizing downtown parking anyway. Um, I'm confident in recommending approval. I'm happy to answer any questions. We've not received public testimony or public comments about this um, to date. And there's some pretty basic other recommendations to meet the C4 requirements. Great. Are there questions for staff? Seeing none, public testimony is now open. If you wish to speak, please come to the lectern, state your name and address for the record. Is there a pre presentation by the applicant? Do commissioners have questions of the applicant? Seeing none, is there a presentation by persons in favor of the application? Is there a presentation by persons who would speak impartial to the application? Is there a presentation by persons who would speak against the application? Is there a rebuttal testimony from the applicant? <laughs> <laughs> Closing remarks from staff. Okay, we will close the public hearing. Um, discussion. Commissioner Price, would you like to lead off? I, I actually, I do have one question for staff. Um, on page three, it's um, 
I just wonder, is it is it usual to include a an economic hardship sort of paragraph in these findings? Yes and no, because it was discussed with the applicant, I included it, but it's not grounds for approving conditional use permit. Okay. I, I, I bring it up because, um, well, because when it comes into the short-term lodging uh, amendments, this has been an argument to have more short-term lodging is because it allows people to, um, might allow people to stay in their homes or to do things that they wouldn't otherwise be able to do. And, and um, since the applicant didn't mention that, I'm not sure why we would want to include it here as well. I don't like to set precedents for such things. But it, it's really a never mind, I guess, if you say it's a here or there. So Regarding the application? That is Did you regarding the application. Sorry? Did you have any comments about the space for the use or? No. The picture looks nice. Um, <laughs> Would you like me to make a motion? Well, Is that what you're asking me? I would allow others to speak first. I just mm -hmm. want to make sure that okay, thanks. you have your opportunity. Mr. Warren? I'm in favor of the application. I'm in favor of the application. I think it meets all the renewable criteria. Thank you. Commissioner Wallback. I agree that I am in workroom. I'm in favor of the application. As am I. Now we can have a motion. I move that we approve the conditional use request by James DeFeo to operate a two-bedroom transient lodging unit and event space in an existing commercial building at 240 11th Street. Moved by Commissioner Price. Is there a second? Second. Seconded by Commissioner Womack. All those in favor? Aye. Opposed? Motion carried. Congratulations. The Astoria Planning Commission's ruling may be appealed by any person withstanding to the City Council within 15 days of the mailing of the Astoria Planning Commission order. Appeals shall be in writing and shall be filed with the Community Development Director. If an appeal is not filed with the City within the 15-day period, the decision of the Astoria Planning Commission shall be final. The permit will be void after two years unless substantial construction has taken place or use has begun. However, the Australia Planning Commission may extend the permit for an additional one year upon request by the applicant. Next up, we have conditional use, CU 19-02 by Nancy, by Nancy Schoenwald to locate a property management services office at 109 9th Street in the S2A zone. Do we, do any of the commissioners have ex parte uh, or a conflict of interest that they would like to declare. Okay, uh, as I stated prior to the hearing for conditional use 17-04, I own and operate a similar or complementary business. <coughs> Wacoma Partners Limited is a private property management company wherein my wife and I manage only properties owned by our family. We do not manage properties for clients. Both, prop or both companies, uh, meaning mine and Ms. Schoenwald's, uh, offer housing to tennis, however, Ms. Schoenwald's company manages properties for clients, so we are not direct competition. I would point out that my brother, who works for me in my company, also operates a business that competes directly with Ms. Schoenwald's company. I have no financial interest in my brother's company. 
I also own a professional office building in Astoria wherein the proposed use is an outright use which could be an alternative space to this space. However, I believe that I can be impartial in my decision regarding this application. If we could have presentation by staff. Yeah, there's another brief one that's pretty well laid out in the staff report. This is to expand an existing location, so there's actually a conditional use permit for their current location. There we go. So on the far left is the current um, professional office space. In the middle is the old Rio Cafe, which is the, currently the Smokehouse Butcher Block. And then there's a vacant storefront corner to the far right on the north end of the building. So the proposal is to relocate the professional services on the far left to that corner unit on the far right. Um, and then the butcher, Smokehouse Butcher Block space in the middle will actually be closing and converting to a restaurant, which is an outright use, but is a separate project completely. So it's a bit of musical storefronts going on in this location. Um, it's located in the S2A, that's the tourist-oriented shoreland zone. Um, similar to C4, there's no off-street parking requirement for this location, so that's between 8th and 14th Street, but again, a um, conditional use permit could trigger additional parking requirements. They're increasing their square footage with that corner space, but otherwise it's pretty minimal impacts um, to the site. And we've not received public comments. I did want to note that the applicant's business name has changed. In the report, it was noted, it was written as River and Coast Property. It's actually Port Town Property Management, so we will update that in the staff report. Um, but other than that, I'm happy to answer any other questions for this S2A zone. Do the commissioners have any questions of staff? Seeing none. Public testimony is now open. If you wish to speak, please come to the lectern. State your name and address for the record. Is there a presentation by the applicants? Uh, is there a presentation by persons in favor of the application? Is there a presentation by persons who would speak impartial to the application? Is there a presentation by persons who would speak against the application? Rebuttal testimony from the applicant? <laughs> it's like we're clear. Closing remarks from staff. And uh, public hearing is now closed. Discussion? Mr. Womack. I have no, no questions. Mr. Corcoran. It's clearly a reasonable outright use and uh, seems appropriate and support. Thank you. Commissioner Cameron Lab. I also don't have any issues with it. <clears throat> I appreciate that the applicant addressed this kind of curb appeal question with some plans for window displays because it is a um, you know a street that people walk around. Um, I, it seems like this professional office hasn't negatively impacted the area in the past couple of years, so I'm happy to Thank you. Commissioner Price. Here's your point. Commissioner Warren? I support the conditional use request. And I also believe that the application meets the criteria and it's an appropriate use for that location. So if we could have a motion. I'll move to approve conditional use request CU19-02 by Nancy Schoenwald to locate professional services property management office at 109 9th Street in the existing commercial space in the S2A zone. Moved by Commissioner Moore. Is there a second? Second. Seconded by Commissioner Corcoran. All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. 
Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> the Astoria Planning Commission's ruling may be appealed by any person withstanding to the City Council within 15 days of the mailing of the Astoria Planning Commission order. Appeals shall be in writing and shall be filed with the Community Development Director. If an appeal is not filed with the City within a 15-day period, the decision of the Astoria Planning Commission shall be final. The permit will be void after two years unless substantial construction has taken place or use has begun. However, the Australia Planning Commission may extend the permit for an additional one year upon request by the applicant. Okay. Next up, we have the Riverfront Vision Plan areas, and I think that our City Manager and Acting Community Development Director has some comments to make about that as well. Um, at this point, um, what I'm going to do is have uh, Rosemary Johnson um, provide the staff report, but just as a just some brief introductory comments. Uh, this started as a uh, a code amendment process, which staff was working on, following some uh, review of projects that went uh, before the design review committee and then ultimately appealed through city council last year. Um, and uh, there was uh, um, some direction provided by council at that point in time to, to make some amendments to the code to be able to provide some clarity. I would note that this was also, uh, this project was the first large project to go through the uh, development review process uh, for the uh, Bridge Vista overlay and uh, staff had uh, noted some changes that would uh, help uh, with uh, the review of applications in this area. So uh, staff began working on some amendments um, and this was presented to the city council, the current city council um, in February and, um, and they had provided some direction for uh, some additional uh, language that they wish to have changed and I'll let Ms. Johnson go into the overview of uh, what is proposed to you this evening uh, for <coughs> amendments to the Bridge Vista overlay. Great, thank you. Okay, Special thank you. Projects Planner Johnson. Thank you. Okay, just a quick overview so that everyone's on the same page. Riverfront Vision Plan was done multiple years ago and it's the vision for our entire waterfront on the Columbia River it gave some guidance as to how the um, codes could be uh, adopted to protect or to have development occur along the waterfront. That plan broke the city up into four districts, Bridge Vista, uh, Urban Core, Civic Greenway Overlay, and the Neighborhood Greenway. And those are the four that you see there in the different colors. We implemented the vision plan for three of the areas, Bridge Vista, Civic Greenway, and Neighborhood Greenway. And as uh, City Manager Estes said, Bridge Vista, this was recently the first large project to come through to be uh, judged against the new codes. So we've not had major uh, projects to test the code. Uh, during that process, it was found that there was some ambiguities and some uh, sections that need better clarity. So staff prepared uh, draft code amendments 
of not only the, the issues that were not clear in Bridge Vista, but I took a look at all of the waterfront overlay zones for the Riverfront Vision and tried to clean up language throughout all of the overlay zones. We took that to the City Council, and at the City Council meeting, um, after public input, the City Council uh, suggested and directed staff to look at a maximum 28-foot height for the bridge distance area. So that's kind of where we got to today, and so now I'd like to go over just a few of the, the code amendments. Uh, they are in the packet. Bridge Vista basically goes from the area around Red Lion to 2nd Street. So it... Riverwalk. Could you... I'm dating myself. Sorry. Riverwalk. Okay. Thank you. Um, to 2nd Street. And so it's that area around the, the uh, Pier 1 and the Maritime Memorial. And so what we were looking at was some of the issues were clarification on uh, definitions and then how to determine the height and the design review, how the design review would be applied to structures, especially in which structures it would be uh, applied against. So there was confusion as to whether or not uh, it would be judged against just adjacent properties or properties that were visible a block or two away. So there was a lot of confusion. Uh, some of the things that we did then was clarify uh, what area would be reviewed. And another issue was conflict between terms in the code itself. Uh, when the original Ridge Vista area was adopted, we had language in there that talked about conflicts within the code, a certain section would, would apply. The intent at that time was to make it so that heights and setbacks and uses of the overlay zone would take precedence over the base zones, and so it was saying that this one was the one to apply, not the base zone. Uh, there was confusion as to whether or not sections within the code were conflicting. So we cleaned that up. Um, we also looked at uh, standard lighting, uh, uh, not standard lighting, uh, standards in each of the zones to make sure that every zone references you to the overlay zone. There was question about the balconies and how those uh, would be applied to what's called a step back. In the Bridge Vista, after the first 28 feet, you could go 35 to 45 feet if you step those areas above 28 feet back 10 feet. And so we were uh, clarifying that balconies and fixed awnings would not be allowed in that step back area. We leave it as open space. Um, we also looked at reformatting the section about design review. One of the problems that we found was you have new construction, you have ex uh, exterior alterations to existing building, and you have additions to existing buildings. And it was unclear as to which criteria applied to which of those scenarios. So we broke it out so that new construction criteria 
exterior alteration criteria, additions criteria, so it's clear. Um, we also look at uh, exceptions to building heights. When you have elevator shafts on these taller buildings, uh, it's not feasible to put windows in elevator shafts, yet the code requires a percentage of the wall be in windows. So we added some clarification that uh, elevator shafts could have other design features other than windows to make it not a blank wall. Um, there were some other minor changes here and there. Since you received your packet, there have been a couple of changes to the draft, and I just want to point a couple of those out. <clears throat> so we'll get to the, and we'll get back to that. Okay. So in the definition section, we took out the definition of visual impact, and on building mass, we're taking out the last two sentences, and these are uh, recommendations from our city attorney to make it uh, a little clearer, and those are on pages two and three. Uh, we're also clarifying that uh, when we say no balconies for the step back, that if a balcony is below the 28 feet, you're allowed to have it. It's just not above the 28 feet. Uh, the other one is uh, to clarify that the design review language, um, we're adding it to Article 6 also because what we did was to avoid conflict between two commissions, Design Review Committee and Historic Landmarks Commission, of reviewing the same criteria or similar criteria, we're going to have Historic Landmarks Commission review anything historic if they're already reviewing it. So I'm just adding that to this Article 6 also, which is historic review. Now, those are the changes. There are questions that we need the uh, planning commission to weigh in on for things that are not as clear as to which direction we should go. With the definition of gross floor area, one of the questions that had come up was the maximum square footage of 30,000 square feet for a building. And through the design review process for the one project that came through, there was concern that the building was larger than what people had envisioned by the code. The code currently does not include covered garages in that gross floor area. So you could have the entire first floor as covered garage and not be part of your 30,000 square feet. The question for the planning commission is, do you want to continue with garages being exempt from 30,000 square feet? Now there are two results from that. If you include garages in the 30,000 square feet, it uh, reduces the, uh, it allows for a slightly larger building because you have the garage. However, it also forces them to put um, the parking in an open parking lot and we're trying to encourage parking to be more covered or out of the way and not visible. So <coughs> if you keep the garage as part of the gross floor area, then that will cover the parking and keep it from view. If you exclude it, then the use of the building would be different and you'd have open parking, visible parking. So it, it, 
you still end up with a 30,000 square foot building, but different uses within the building and more visible part. So that's one of the questions. Um, the other is the bridge vista overlay. When you're over water, the code currently says no uh, variance would be granted to the pipe. On land, there is not a requirement such as that, so they could apply for a variance. When we reduce the height to 28 feet for the on-land area, the question for the Planning Commission is, should we allow variances? And if so, then we need to keep the step back portion of the code, which right now is proposed to be removed, so that if they go higher, 35 feet or whatever, then you would have the step back to reduce the height uh, a massive building over 28 feet. Um, if you put a no variance allowed, then the maximum is going to be 28 with no exceptions whatsoever. <coughs> so it's whether or not the overland should have the ability for variances. Okay. From when we first had the 35 and 45 feet, it included the ability to even get variances from those. So then, uh, those are the two big questions for you. In reviewing the staff report, there is one correction. On page three, the last line, uh, we were considering putting a FAR, floor to area ratio, and that came out of the draft early on, but I neglected to take it out of the staff report. Okay. So I'm not going to go through the staff report Line by line, uh, you have it in front of you. Uh, there are copies there for the public. But basically, uh, staff believes that it does meet the, uh, the criteria and the comprehensive plan for potential adoption. The, your recommendation after the public hearing will go to the city council, and there will be a subsequent public hearing before the city council to adopt any changes. And that should be about it, unless you have questions. Other questions for staff? Thank you. We probably all have questions. I have actually two questions related to the um, the notes that we just made. Um, I'm curious why um, you can say something about why we removed the definition of visual impact because I was kind of felt like that was that was useful. I, there was there was the concern that by defining it we may be um, putting limitations on the definition that we aren't intending and therefore allow that, since it is subjective, to be subjective. What visual impact is to one person you know, is different to another. And so uh, it was agreed that we should probably leave it out and leave it a little more uh, ambiguous. Okay, so that doesn't get in our way of actually using the term visual impact in our No, we standards. do use it through, okay. in the code. Okay. Um, my other question, just for um, those of us who are newer, can you, if we're talking about variances, can you remind us what the criteria are, criteria are to grant a variance? A variance, uh, you have to prove hardship, and economics is not necessarily a hardship. Uh, it can be a consideration, and it can create a safety hazard. Uh, it has to be in compliance with uh, the 
code. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of all the different. And it's it's is it um, always a um, a process that comes through the planning commission or one of the commissions, or is it sometimes administrative? I know it okay. can happen. Right. Administrative variances are uh, limited to lot size setbacks, uh, a few minor things, but one of the issues is they can do a 10% increase. So if someone came in with a 35-foot building and wanted to go to 38, that would be a three-foot increase, which is 10%. We could do it administratively. Administratively, it still would go through public review. We would notice it in the paper. We would mail to adjacent property owners, do findings of fact, but planner would make the decision, but only a 10%. Okay. Uh, the other criteria for a variance is uh, unnecessary hardship. Um, it's the development would be consistent and not substantially injurious to the neighborhood in which the property is located. It's necessary to make reasonable use of the property, and it's not conflict with the comprehensive plan. So very basic. The hardship is usually the, the hardest one to uh, meet. Mm -hmm. And I know originally it was intended that the bridge vista would allow one land variances. And they would be handled on a case-by-case -case basis with no uh, precedence set. So just because you approve one doesn't mean that you would approve another. Each case is handled on its own merit. Thank you. Those are my initial questions. Other questions? Yes. Commissioner Price. Well, first of all, great work in, uh, by a really uh, staff under great demand in, in a very short period of time. So thank you very much. Um, uh, w one of my questions was just answered about the variance. I'm sorry, a truck was going by and also my ears are stopped up from that cold that's going around. Um, did you, it will, would all variances over land go through planning commission or would there be some that would be administratively approved? Anything over 10% would go to the planning commission. 10% of the height? 10% of a numerical thing. Uh, issue. So if you're increasing the building height by 10%, then staff could do that through a public process. If it's over 10% height, it would come to you. Uh, we can do, staff can do setbacks, 10% um, of signage, uh, lot coverage, things like that. So it's very limited what is administrative variances. Um, but I would say any height difference, unless you're looking at, you know, in this case, three feet, is going to come to the planning commission. Right. As for your other questions, um, my concern remains, and we talked about this before, and I know the council talked about it as well, according to the minutes, is the, the 30,000 square foot area on a 28-foot building. I'm all in favor of the 28-foot height. I was delighted to see the council suggest that. Um, but I'm concerned about uh, creating really long buildings that do sort of the opposite of what the height reduction was intended to do. And, and um, is there any progress towards figuring that out? Are we going to keep the 30,000 square feet? Is that, can we, what can we do about that? Okay. At this time, uh, what staff is recommending is to keep the 30,000 square feet. 
And that's where that Florida area ratio, we were attempting to look at other options to help uh, resolve the 30,000 square foot question. When staff was directed to do this amendment, it was supposed to be a quick fix to clarifications and issues. Some of these bigger questions and bigger issues, such as looking at that 30,000 square feet, may need to be in subsequent amendments rather than trying to tackle it in this initial uh, quick fix amendment. I don't want to use that term, but that's what this was, a, not to look at the overall bridge vista win and trying to change it. It was trying to fix and clarify issues, not really change it. The 28 foot, however, was one of the things that the council did direct us to look at. Um, I just would be concerned that by approving this and then waiting to for some months later, because there are many other things also to do, um, that we set ourselves up for another um, problem. That comes in before the fix can be made. Right. At this point, we're looking at 30,000 square feet, deciding with or without garages, and 28 feet possibly with variances. Okay. Something to think about. I have um, some other questions. Should we do that now, or do you want to just stick with these uh, on, on, the, uh, on the board right now? Uh, just keep going. I'll answer what I can. Some of them are really simple, and some of them are not. On page six, um, C4, um, it said it's professional, comma, medical offices. Is that professional medical officers or professional and medical offices? Is it any kind of office? offices and medical so offices. professional and or medical offices. Right, and that is not a change to what is there now. It was a clarification as to where it was placed in the code. So that is not a change of use there. Okay. Just clarification in uh, the code numbering. Okay, on uh, page 11 um, in, it's, um, well, it's in the, the last three paragraphs and maybe the next one as well on page 12. Adjacent is, is in quotes the second time it is used in each paragraph, and I just wonder why. Because when the Historic Landmarks Commission looks at new construction, they have to review properties that are technically adjacent to the historic structure. So if it's a block away, the Historic Landmarks Commission does not review it. And so I wanted to make it very clear there that we are talking about adjacent when historic is reviewing it. So that's why the emphasis. So if adjacent is not in quotes, it means Daryl. And if it is in quotes, <laughs> it means um, further down the line, Chris. Uh, well, when I was trying to <laughs> or make the opposite. It, yeah, I was trying to emphasize the fact that the uh, if the proposed development is not adjacent by the historic code to the historic property, then adjacency could mean something a little further away for design review committee. So it's a difference between the Historic Landmarks Commission and Design Review Committee. If that's not clear there, we could work on some better language to make it clearer. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I can, I can wordsmith that a little bit better. Um, page 20, and it's, it goes into 21 as well a little bit. 
Um, talking about uh, buildings should be designed so they do not stand out prominently. I get what you're saying there, but then I also, the first thing that came into my mind was the Cannery Pier Hotel, which stands out prominently for a number of reasons, um, not just the fact that it's over water. Um, so I don't know if there's a better way of, of, of putting that, except that on page 21, maybe, maybe it gets close. Um, it's sort of the, it's repeated in 3B on page 21, but then F, 3F gets a little more um, specific, talking about contemporary materials, forms, or colors, you know, on building facades or discouraged. So, I don't know if that's we, something that needs a little more clarification. We could look at the section B and uh, in both of those to word that a little better. One thing we could do is say they do not negatively uh, stand out prominently and negatively impact something to that effect. Sure. Uh, but we can look at that also. Okay. On um, at, oh, and that comes out again in, uh, on page 22.5D, standing out. Um, on 22, page 5B, and this comes up in a couple of other places. And by the way, I just found a couple of little tiny typos. You know, I'm an editor by trade, and I'm just going to give you this afterwards. And Thank if you. there are things that you can use that don't really affect anything, use them or lose them. It's fine with me. Um, 22B, uh, all facades visible from a street, shell, etc. Now, we, we also in various places say also the street or the river trail and in some places the river too. We talked about how we want buildings to look good from the river because we know that there are a number of um, businesses or potential businesses um, coming about that will be showing off the river, uh, the town from the river so we don't you know, one riverside river in river buildings will look blanky. And so, any street references, I have tried to change those yeah. to right of way. Okay. So, if you have that, I can look at that one. Um, but we do say river trail, and there are a couple places where we reference uh, windows and some of the facades from the river, but not all of the features are we requiring on the riverside. So that would be a question for the Planning Commission. Do you want more detail on the Riverside? We've tried to keep it fairly minimal while making it not blank walls. So right. we still do have to have some uh, features on the, the north facing walls and right. have windows. Um, page 25, uh, number four, talks about um, Covering, just mark this first. Talks about covering everything except communication services equipment. Right. And so what I thought about then was, and it's unlikely. I mean, I don't know what could happen. Things are getting smaller. I hope. But I, I, I thought about the um, communication services equipment that's on top of the Astor building, which is quite large. Right. So. Theoretically, one could have some very large communication services equipment. Right. And what we've tried to do here is to make the elevator shafts or those mechanical equipment uh, rooftops, since they're exempt from the height, we did not want to draw attention to them with signage and other uh, attachments to the exterior. 
However, when you're starting to talk about uh, communications facilities, those are ideal places because it gets it to the top of your buildings and prevents the need for towers, cell towers. So while they do add a lot to the outside of the elevator shafts, it's preferable to doing a, a new tower. And so, you know, it's... But it is something that you look at when they come to you. You look at it and you see whether it is something that's going to be a story and a half tall or uh, something more modest. Right. They're, they're limited to the height, to just applying it to the elevator shaft. The communications portion of it isn't exempt from the height, just the elevator shaft, and so they could apply these to the exterior of the elevator shaft. I understand. Thank you. And then just before that on the signs, um, I think we talked about this maybe even after the meeting or something. Um, signs not installed on portions of structures exempt from building heights, such as elevator shafts and or rooftop <coughs> equipment enclosures. And I noted that there is one of the hotels in town that does, sorry, have its um, have signage on its. I think it's an elevator shaft, and and I think you told me that what what it is meant by is not the variance part. So not on the high part that we, they would get a variance to go above 28 feet, for instance, for the elevator shaft. But it could be on that portion that is otherwise differentiated from the rest of the building. Right. If the elevator shaft is taking an exception to the height and is above the allowable height, that's when we would are recommending prohibiting signs on the exempt area height. Right. So not on the whole. If the elevator shaft meets the height of the zone, they could have signage on it. We're just saying if it's an exempt feature for the height, then no. And then the last one, I think, goes back to page. Sorry. Oh, I marked it. You remember what it was about? So I can. Oh, page, page five, number five. And this happens throughout the development code. I mentioned this one point uh, on city council. There are a lot of places in the development code where the only uh, gender that's ever done anything is a man, a he. And here we have an opportunity, and I think every opportunity that we have to fix that, um, we should take. And um, so it's easy enough to say that uh, the member or their spouse, brother, sister, I think we should start doing that. Uh, the, the code, what we do is in the initial code, there is a gender section that says all references to one I know. And is for all. Yes. Because but then you get into his, her, just, we could, You know, there's an acceptable standard for that now in its day or there. And um, I really would like to see us do that. It's, it's 2018, and um, and I know there's you know, well, okay. <laughs> 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 anyway, I really, I really think it's time to start doing that. And thank you anyway. So, and I'll give you this slide. Okay. And then for the commission, if we uh, any discussion or decision on those questions. If we can wait till after you hear the public testimony, sure. to tell me which direction to go. 
Any other questions? One thing I didn't really mention much, uh, we're also in putting in a covered outdoor storage area. And that was a recommendation by one of the citizens. It's the way we require a lot of the uh, outdoor garbage areas or utility areas to be done, but uh, we're getting it a little more uniform through the code display, requiring a man door so that they don't have to have the gates open the whole time. Person. A person. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. A, a baby door. <laughs> but, uh, also, the baby door. But also requiring a cover over it so that if anyone can look down into it, you're not looking down into trash receptacles or utilities. Um, so this was uh, an addition that will make it clarify it throughout the entire city. Sorry, I realize I did have one more question. I was at first focusing just what was on the board. Um, on page eight in the amendments, um, it's in section C. It's the section section C one here. It, it makes a um, statement that building and structure can be used interchangeably, and then in like the next number, it uses them in contrast. Um, I just want to make sure that I know what's going on and that. Yeah. And okay. The definitions that we're trying to like disentangle these. Yeah. Right. It 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 may be used interchangeably, but there are times when a building is different from a structure, specifically when we're talking about historic. Okay, and so under the definition section, we have defined historic structure versus historic building versus historic object, and um, and in this case, a lot of times it says historic with a quotation for building or structure. So the difference is important when it's something historic, but if Correct. we're just talking about. Otherwise, it could, we could be referring to a building or a structure um, <coughs> you know, interchangeably. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Any other questions for staff? So Mr. Estes, I'm going to look to you for advice. Do we open the public hearing on this now? Okay. So we'll open the public hearing. If you'd like to speak, please come forward. State your name and address for the record. But we don't have to go in order on this. if parking was included on the main floor, would someone be able to build over the 28 feet? And does 28 feet allow for parking in two stories? The 28 feet would be the envelope of the building no matter what is inside the building. Yeah. Putting parking on the ground floor, that's one of the questions because then that reduces the um, the usable space within the building, uh, but it is also preferred at Cape sometimes because you want 
not open parking areas. Right. Does that answer your question? It does, and, and I'd like to see that if people have parking on the main floor, that they're allowed to at least get two stories. I'd like to see an incentivization of getting parking out from in front of buildings and opening up more green space. And there might be some other building sort of um, um, options where if the uh, person wants to have a narrower building and have more public space um, and green space, maybe that would uh, grant them a little more height. Sure, Fitzpatrick, if I may also provide a little more information. Mr. Hafker, you know, typically we say a 28-foot tall building is a two-story building. Is right. generally what we would say. Um, you know, of course, the the design of the building would be up to the architect in terms of how big they made their their, their floor plates. But I mean, typically when we say 28, that's that's two stories. Yeah, I got you on that. A lot of the parking areas aren't necessarily 10 feet tall. No. And so I'd like to just, um, I know that we're uh, discussing this, the height options, and I think getting cars from parking lots and under buildings is a good one. And I think the second point to that is that um, with global warming and rising sea levels, it might be smart to have that lower level a little more open so that we're kind of thinking about the future with our construction along the river. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Aker. Anyone else like to address us? Uh, good evening, members of the Planning Commission. I'm uh, Phil Grillo. Um, my business address is 1300 Southwest um, Fifth Avenue in Portland. I'm a land use attorney and I'm here on behalf of uh, Astoria Warehousing that owns uh, one of the large sites in the, uh, in the Overlay District. Um, as I think you know, there's a letter in the, in the record um, opposing the, the proposed changes, at least to the extent the height changes. And I want to talk about that and the 30,000 foot limitation as well here tonight a little bit. Um, let me begin with just a, a, a couple of points. One is um, uh, we would like to um, uh, make the request here this evening that the uh, hearing be continued for at least seven days. As I think you know, the staff report I think is dated the, the 19th, but we didn't receive it. I don't think it was publicly available until I think Thursday evening. Um, and so we haven't had very much time. I haven't had very much time to look at it in, in detail. Um, or consult with um, my client, um, you know, in any detail as well. I have some um, uh, food for thought for you here tonight, but I want a chance to be able to do that more thoroughly and submit written materials and then hopefully engage in some dialogue. Um, my background is in planning and in, in land use generally, so uh, we certainly want to be uh, collaborative as we can with you. So um, the other thing I just wanted to point out is, is for uh, most of you may be familiar with the site uh, generally, but I thought I'd just throw out some basic numbers for you. You may also know that the site is currently for sale, um, uh, for sale signs on the site now. Um, basically, the site is uh, 12 acres, about five of that is land, uh, about seven is essentially over water. 
Um, and uh, I think what we've got there now is about 124,000 square feet of building. It's obviously mostly warehousing, the cannery aspect of it. Um, there is a small amount of, in essence, accessory office, but it was all essentially a single-use type of an operation. Um, and it's, I think, in five buildings. One of those buildings that I uh, was in this afternoon, and thank you very much for the good weather here today, um, well, is, I think, has an interior clear area of uh, 30 feet. So the building height, depending on how you measure that, is obviously over the, would be over the 28-foot uh, height limitation. Um, and uh, so uh, I think with that background in mind, let me just um, first ask a, a few questions to kind of help clarify things. And I did have an opportunity to speak with uh, uh, staff a little bit this, this afternoon, and I do want to compliment uh, staff on their hard work. I know this is not easy, especially in a time crunch like this, to, to do these kinds of uh, amendments. Um, and I also really want to compliment you and um, uh, really the, the public for their engagement on this. I understand uh, how sensitive it is to be needing to protect the waterfront. I do a lot of waterfront work in my practice. I've been a member of the Working Waterfront Coalition and helped found that important. So uh, I really do have appreciate an appreciation for the local issues um, that are involved here. Um, with that said, I think that the uh, you know, the 28-foot um, height limit obviously is a pretty significant limit based upon what there is now. I mean, it's essentially 35 feet, with, and then if you do some um, <clears throat> essentially incentives, it can go up to 45 feet. So the difference obviously is between 45 down to 28, which is very significant. Um, and I, I guess the first question there is, I'm, I'm curious as to um, why the 28-foot um, height limit, um, why 28 feet specifically is being proposed. I mean, I know that 28 feet is essentially the height limit in a single-family zone. So taking the height limit of a single-family zone and applying it in the waterfront in a C3 commercial area, even with the overlay district, is, is uh, in my view, pretty unusual for a waterfront type development. Um, I understand that the background partly was with regard to the hotel development that occurred, but I don't know what specifically, how, how 28 feet came to be. So any insight there would, would be helpful, and I don't necessarily need an answer on that tonight, but I, I would like to know more about that. So I don't know if there's anything that can be shed in the light now, but. Um, I don't mean to engage everybody in a discussion here. But specifically, it was, it was a number that was proposed by Councillor uh, Rocca um, to the City Council. Okay. All right. Um, and I also think it, it would be helpful to know, and, and I would think it might be helpful for the Planning Commission to know, um, how many buildings in the overlay zone, um, the Bridge Vista overlay zone, are already exceeding that height. Obviously, there's a non-conforming development issue there, but beyond that, it seems to me it would be of some benefit to to have a sense of you know what's really out there now and how much are <coughs> really going under that based upon what's out there now. Um, the third question I have has to do with the uh, 30,000 uh, square foot uh, building limitation, um, and let's see if I can draw that to your attention. Um, let's see, I'm looking at the 
table that staff prepared. I think it's an unnumbered page after page 20. It's the second of three um, unnumbered pages in the table. And the code reference is 14.113 sub D, um, building size. Uh, I think the, the comment there is clarify that 30,000 square foot max is for all buildings of a single development referred to definition of gross floor area. Um, I want to take you to um, page 15 of the annotated code updates. And that's where 14.113b is. Um, and I believe, if I'm reading this correctly, that that size limitation says the gross floor area of on-land commercial uses in the Bridge Vista overlay zone shall be a maximum of 30,000 square feet and then the addition uh, um, all of single development. So I think uh, I have two questions there. One, as I read that, it seems to me that the limitation only applies to commercial uses. Um, and then I guess the question is, what's a commercial use? Um, is a commercial use what I learned in planning school, which is essentially you know, uh, retail office, something that's not residential, something that's not industrial, I think it would be helpful to know what this applies to, particularly since the C3 zone and the overlay zone are mixed-use zones. So we need to know what particular uses are subject to the 30,000 square foot maximum. I'm kind of assuming that they are the more traditional commercial uses. Is that generally the answer that, um, um, from a tenant standpoint? Uh, commercial use in uh, this one would be commercial versus industrial. And uh, in a lot of the cases, I missed that, but we were looking at just taking out the commercial. Um, the other issue is building codes considers one and two family as residential. Anything above a two family is commercial development. Uh, for us, the commercial use would be non-industrial, non-residential. Hmm. Well, I guess other than wow, I would say that that raises then another issue, which is um, uh, it seems to me that's a pretty strict limitation on commercial uses in those zones. And it seems to me, you know, we, we ought to be looking at that as we look at, at this. I mean, I realize that, that there may be some that want to really strictly limit residential use along the waterfront, but I want to talk a little bit about that more here in just a minute. So I guess I would say if, if that's the intent, I think it should be clarified so we all know what commercial use means in this, in this particular context. Um, so um, the, the other thing I guess I'd point out, um, just kind of in passing on this 30,000 foot building limitation site, and maybe not so much on passing, but with our site, uh, the uh, Astoria Warehouse Inc. site, um, if, if you take a raw number like that, uh, 30,000 square feet, and you have a very large site like we do, um, it's really a very aggressive uh, um, way to, to regulate those kinds of uses on a large site. So for instance, you, know, you could have a relatively small site um, that is 60,000 square feet, 
and a 30,000 square foot limitation, you know, it's significant, but it, it may not break the bank. Uh, with our situation, we have um, about five acres on the land, um, which is about 217,000 square feet. If you can only do 30,000 square feet of commercial and residential, i.e. non-industrial, that's a huge limitation. I mean, essentially that is an FAR, floor area ratio, of roughly, on our site, 0.13. I mean, usually, you're gonna to wanna to have a site, I mean, just in general, you're gonna have sites that are, you know, 60 to 80% uh, coverage uh, on a site. Um, and the rest essentially would be, you know, open space or, or um, landscaping. Here, it's totally flipped. I mean, you're talking about something less than 0.2 FAR, which it seems to me is particularly unreasonable in a large site like this. So, um, with that, let's <coughs> move from sort of questions and segue into uh, just a few observations, and I apologize for um, hogging the microphone here a little bit, but I want to wrap up and just sort of give you some food for thought so that I can put the rest of it in, in writing to you and, and hopefully have dialogue when we meet again. So first observation is um, <coughs> kind of related to just the last point, which is um, with regard to our site, the 12-acre site, five of which, which is um, on land area, not over water, um, in the work that I've done over the last 20 or 30 years on waterfront sites, I can tell you this is an amazing opportunity site. A uh, 12-acre site assembled under one ownership along the river, essentially in the downtown area. The City of Portland, the former Portland Development Commission, the City of Seattle, any of those large cities would, would just die to have a, a, a site like this. Um, so it is very much an opportunity site, and I realize that that may be part of the impetus for wanting to clamp down on the height and the, and the area. But I would um, say that in situations like this, I think it's particularly important for the Planning Commission to look at, in, in any case, you're going to have um, competing interests. Uh, you're going to have uh, folks that want to protect the vistas, the views, and, and as I said before, I empathize. With, with those issues, but I think you also have some other competing interests and that you need to look at a way to create some sort of a balance between um, some clear and objective standards and some ability to be flexible. And let me just give you an example there. Um, one of the things when I look at that site uh, as both a planner and as somebody who's worked along the waterfront is uh, the notion of what if somebody came in and wanted to do something that was essentially like Pike Street Market in Seattle? I mean, a, a beautiful development. I think, you know, I, I think I looked on the, their website and I think it's like the 20th most popular uh, destination in the United States. But what you may not know is there are 500 people who live in that immediate district of Pike Street Market. There are many um, affordable housing units in that area, and that's part of the essence of Pike Street Market. Most of us don't know that, but I think if you just look it up on, uh, on Wikipedia, you'll see the basics on it. Um, so what I'm trying to do is say that this is an opportunity site that I think 
you need to maintain some flexibility in that, while at the same time, I think, responding politically to some of the issues about height and mass that I think your code does a pretty good job of already. So I don't think you should try and do a quick fix here. I think you need to step back a little bit. So with that, let me talk about um, kind of the last point, which is um, housing. Um, as I think you know, and I think staff can probably clarify it for me if I, if I get this wrong, is in this zone, so um, in this area, at least on our site, the base zone is C3, which I think, as you know, is a mixed-use zone. It does allow housing of uh, certain types. Um, and in the overlay zone, the um, Bridge Vista overlay zone, it also allows certain types of housing. <clears throat> um, when you have uh, a situation like this, where you're talking about essentially going from four stories down to two stories, it may be helpful to visualize this a little bit. I think right now everybody's visualizing in terms of height. I'd ask you to visualize what would be in those two stories. Any thoughts? At least from my perspective, what's likely to be in those two stories that you're taking away is housing. Now, sure, you could have some office, but if you look up and down what used to be the working waterfront in Portland, um, uh, you know, if you look at uh, any of the areas that South Waterfront that were redeveloped, you'll see that it's basically retail, commercial on the ground floor. There may be some offices a little bit, but for the most part, it's housing. Um, people want to live adjacent to housing. So the trick is, is to get the right kind of housing that the community needs in those spaces, not to simply take those spaces away. So use bulk and other kinds of mechanisms that are already in your code don't use a blunt instrument of saying, that's it, two stories, that's it, because you need to realize that means housing potential is coming out of there. Now, why is that important? Well, I think for three reasons. Um, and um, these are sort of lawyerly reasons, but I'm going to tell them to you anyway. The first one is anytime you're dealing with putting limitations on housing, you have to consider uh, Measure 49. Um, and essentially, as you probably know, that's the, you either have to pay for the um, loss in value of that housing, or you have to waive those regulations that put a limitation on that kind of housing. Now, it's not quite that simple, and I'm, I'm sure city attorney and, and, uh, and staff will advise you there, but Measure 49 is an issue in this case. Secondly, um, when you're dealing with housing, or what we call needed housing in Oregon under uh, uh, ORS-197, um, you're, you're dealing with, you have to have a path to have no discretionary standards to approve housing. Um, I talked with staff a little bit about this today, and at least so far I haven't been able to find that in the um, either the commercial underlying base zone, C3, or the overlay zone, the bridge vista overlay zone, that there's a clear pathway to develop housing without you, with only using clear and objective standards. I mean, the design standards are very um, uh, discretionary, and that's just not going to cut it under, under state law if someone tries to do housing and you subject them to that kind of review. Um, last but certainly not least is uh, statewide goal 10, which is the housing goal. Um, and it requires, among other things, uh, an adequate supply 
of all types of needed housing. I think you're, you're aware of not only your own comprehensive plan uh, regulations in that regard, but I've looked at the, um, <clears throat> the latest version of the Plattsburgh County Housing Study. Um, as you, I think, probably know, that's been done in partnership with the city and the other cities in, in the county. This is vintage uh, January of this year. And let me just read you a couple of the quick policies here that I think are really kind of troublesome when you think about what we're talking about here in terms of uh, the effect on housing. Uh, strategy four um, in this report says support high density housing in commercial zones. Well, C3 is a commercial zone. And it says to support high density housing in an area. Well, if you're taking two floors of it away, I don't think you're supporting needed housing in the, in the C3 zone. So, I mean, that's a, that's a consideration. Now, I will say these are in draft form, but this is, this is what's churning through the policy process right now. Um, there's also another policy which has to do with incentives, and it talks about streamlining permitting and review process. And that goes back to the clear objective standards issue that I was talking about before. So let me just wrap up. I appreciate you um, uh, letting me talk a little over what's probably your normal time limit. But um, what I think uh, I want to leave with the, the message I want to leave with you is that while this may be um, thought of as a quick fix issue, I don't think it is a quick issue, uh, fix issue. I think what you're doing is, particularly with regard to our site, is making some very fundamental changes to a major opportunity site. And I realize that, that um, you know, there are two sides to every coin, but I think <coughs> it's very important that um, we are you know, engaged in this process and want to work with the community to try and find some sort of reasonable balance here. And I think that's really ultimately the job of the Planning Commission is to help find that balance. So with that, I'm going to just uh, be quiet and see if you have any questions of me. But um, I, like I say, I intend to put something more in writing so you have that to refer to. Okay. Great, thank you. I, we've got a few issues here. Okay. Uh, there was a continuance that you requested, yes. which I believe we are required to agree to a continuance if, or grant the continuance if it is requested. That's correct. And you know, on this item, you know, while a seven-day is the minimum required by code, um, Ms. Johnson and city attorney and I talked a little bit beforehand we knew that this request was going to be coming forward um, feel that the appropriate time to continue this to is the April 23rd meeting um, to be able to allow staff uh, the ability to actually um, address some issues because there are some items that we want to be able to go through and, and be able to uh, work on in advance that it's not something that staff's able to turn around in seven days Great, thank you. And the, what I will do, uh, uh, sorry to interrupt, is um, plan to get my materials in 14 days before then so that staff has a week to consider that in the context of perhaps an updated staff report. Um, so I, we want to reasonably keep things moving. Our, our intent here is not slow the wagon down um, only as much as needed. So. Great, thank you. 
Great, thank you. That was going to be my second item, making sure that you do communicate with staff yes. uh, your, your concerns. And then the third thing that I would ask, um, we generally limit our time to three minutes uh, in the public comment. What you've done is, is basically a presentation, and so I would ask that in the future, if you're going to do a presentation, you let us know in advance, let us know how long you believe that the presentation will take, and then we will agree or work with you on the time allowed there. I appreciate that, I apologize. Great, well thank you for, thank you. for your time this evening. Uh, we are at 7.50 and we are going to temporarily close the public hearing and take a seven minute break. No, 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 no. You're not closing, You're not closing. I'm sorry, <laughs> do not close the public hearing. You, you'll recess. We will recess. Yes, okay. yes, do not close the public hearing. We will recess, take a seven minute break, and we will be back at 7.58. Okay, welcome back. We are reconvening at seven PM. Okay, again, welcome back. As indicated in the uh, in my previous comments, we set something of a precedent in allowing longer than the standard uh, time for speaking, which is traditionally three minutes on an item like this. Uh, we do sometimes, when we have a busy schedule, ask the comments to be shorter and in a less impacted schedule or something that's extremely important. Uh, as, as all items are, uh, we do allow a little bit longer this evening. I would ask that any speakers following this, uh, I'm not going to hold you to the three minutes, I would ask that you consider the time of the, uh, the rest of the people in the room. If you agree with comments that have already been made, uh, just let us know that you agree with those comments. And if you would like to just state that you agree with the comments that were made, uh, that would be fine as well. So again, uh, we are back and welcome to have the next person come up and speak. Again, state your name and address for the record. Good evening. My name is Frank Spence. I live at 5169 Birch in Astoria. I'm also president of the Port of Astoria Commission. Since as an affected property owner, director, I think I might be a little over three minutes, but uh, uh, I'd appreciate any time. Uh, the commission tonight is being asked to approve some 24 amendments to the development code Article 14, which is the riverfront vision plan, as well as the bridge vista overlay. The port's property is in the Bridgewater, excuse me, not the Bridgewater, right? right? Uh, the bridge vista property, uh, the port of, the port property really starts at the Siemens Memorial. Actually, parts of the Seaman Memorial is leased uh, uh, 
from the port. The, that port property then runs all the way to the far west uh, property. Now, for some unknown reason, back 10 years ago in 2009, the original uh, riverfront plan was approved back in 2009. And for some reason, the district for the uh, Bridge Vista area started at the Portway Avenue and went to 2nd Street. That virtually divides the port property in half. What they did at that time is put the industrial part where the timber uh, operation and the uh, boat repair areas are really industrial and they put that in a classification called Port uh, uh, Union Town. Uh, so here we have two different areas uh, affected. Now, going over the uh, recommendations and, and staff did a, a very good job and very clear and meticulous looking through the 65 pages, uh, the two controversial items did pop up and that is the 28-foot limitation as well as the 30,000 square foot limitation on mass. I find this interesting in that uh, as soon as these recommendations uh, were surfaced that both the private and public sector uh, rose up in, object, in uh, objecting to them. Uh, the first was uh, in the newspapers you read has been the, uh, the Oregon uh, HRS building employment building uh, on Marine Drive next to uh, the uh, Burger King and they immediately <coughs> rose up and it had advised the count, the uh, staff that uh, they already had a building of 30,000 square feet but they wanted to build another 30,000 square feet and as such with this restriction they wouldn't be able to do it. Uh, according to the article in the paper, a solution could be worked out in that they would build into the parking lot in front of their building and they already have, I believe it's 157 parking spaces immediately to the west in the vacant lot between them and the uh, Burger King. If this still is in place and this appears to be an amenable solution to their needs, then certainly some ability to have a variance uh, for a situation uh, like this. They have said that if they can't expand, they will leave the city and build a new building in, in Warrington. The second one the private sector popped up was uh, Steve Thick on uh, Fishhawk, and he advised council. These, these items have come before council in, in their workshop, so they are aware of them and had been discussed with him. Uh, he will, I understand, speak after me on, as a private sector in his fishery, he would be negatively affected. The Astoria Warehouse, they just spoke also from the private sector. And it represents uh, what the caution, I guess, I want to give is that you're dealing with property rights, land rights, that 
it's, you don't want it to make a form of down zoning. Uh, it's like if you had a property zoned for multiple family and they said, no, we're rezoning the property down to residential. Then you are taking away from the owners the opportunity to develop their property for their highest use uh, possible. And that can end up in court, which I have seen uh, previously. Lastly, the Port of Astoria. The, uh, we uh, obviously are opposed to the implementation of the limitation, uh, mainly because we're in the process of developing or upgrading our master plan, going through a strategic plan, and we do not want to be handcuffed in effect uh, by these potential restrictions of height and mass. The uh, port therefore is requesting that uh, all of the port's property uh, not be included in the bridge vista overlay. Uh, and also this would include our East Mooring Basin which is port property, uh, which is in the Civic Greenway uh, overlay because of other sections in the proposal that all of the height restrictions and mass restrictions that are mentioned for the Bridgewater, uh, Bridge Vista uh, are going to be applicable to all of the uh, various sectors along the riverfront. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Spencer. Chair Fitzpatrick, if I can provide some clarity, maybe to Commissioner Spence's comments. So first of all, when the uh, Riverfront Vision Plan was developed starting in 2008, um, there were discussions with the port as to where the boundaries should be located. And the, the boundary was determined it would be at Portway because the Port Commission at the time had an interest in looking at changing the the zoning in the area from what was then the Red Lion, now the Riverwalk Inn, um, and then working its way east over to the Maritime Memorial Park. And so um, what was determined between the city and the port at the time was to establish that boundary at Portway, and that the city would not get into looking at the industrial uses um, of the finger piers, uh, particularly as a part of the vision plan. So that was discussed in, in upon by the port in the city at that point in time. Additionally, um, when the Bridge Vista overlay uh, was, uh, the code amendment process went forward, um, there were discussions between the city staff. I was the community development director at the time, uh, and Ms. Johnson was the planner, and port staff. And um, the, uh, there was coordination as to, uh, to be able to allow for redevelopment of the then Red Line, then uh, Riverwalk Inn, and actually a dispensation was developed in the code to be able to allow for that to occur in coordination and participation with the Port of Astoria. And so I want to make clear that there was uh, this coordination uh, during not only the development of the vision plan and port participation, there was also port participation uh, between the city and the port in developing of the code language at that point in time. So I want to make sure that, that that's clear for the record. Um, additionally, I want to be able to point out um, that uh, some of the sites which, which Commissioner Spence referenced, particularly uh, um, Mr. Fick's uh, property and also the state office building, are not in the Bridge Vista overlay, which is uh, being considered this evening. Uh, that is in the urban core area, which is tracking along um, at, an, at a, 
as well as another set of amendments. Uh, those will be coming to you at some point in time in the future, um, but uh, those properties um, are outside of that. I will note that, um, as Commissioner Spence had, had noted, uh, the owner of the uh, state office building had expressed concerns about the 30,000 square foot limitation that is actually already in the code. Um, what is being discussed here tonight is some, some modification to be able to clarify how that 30,000 square foot uh, provision is implemented within the, the Bridge Vista overlay. And if I can also add, um, uh, Mr. Spence mentioned that this will also impact the Civic Greenway, which is the East Mooring Basin. And in most cases, uh, the items that are proposed for amendment in the Civic Greenway will not address the height or square footage. It's more things like the conflict between terms or uh, design review being done by the Historic Landmarks Commission, uh, also the clarifying that the step back, you know, you can't have a balcony within the step back. So there are very minor things that are proposed for the Civic Greenway. It's not the 28-foot high uh, limitation is strictly for the Bridge Vista. Thank you. Would anyone else like to address the Planning Commission this evening? Mike Sensenbach, uh, 110 Kensington. Um, thanks, Brett, for clarifying the 30,000 square foot because I thought that, that was already part of the Bridge Vista overlay, so I wasn't sort of confused as to why that was coming up uh, this evening. But um, I wanted to talk to you primarily about the 20 foot, the 28 foot height uh, restriction. Um, I was at the city council meeting when Roger, uh, Councilor Rocca, um, proposed, I, I believe he actually proposed 24 feet initially, and then council discussed 24 feet, and then somewhere it changed to, to 28 feet. Um, I don't remember the, how exactly it changed from 24 to 28 feet, but I think that, that might be a more significant change than perhaps was realized at the time. And um, so I, my background is property claims. I've handled property claims for a large insurance company for the last 15 years. Um, so I work with these codes a lot. And one of the things that's particularly striking about going from a 24 to a 28 foot height limitation is that you're essentially, you could essentially be giving a third story. Um, the way that gable roofs are measured in height um, in our city code is that they are measured by the average of the height of the slope. So if, say you have a two-story building with a 20-foot um, eave at, on it, the ridge line is then gonna be, could be up to 36 foot high with an average height of 28. Um, so that could be a, an unintended consequence of adding in these extra four feet because you can have the ridge line then pop up to 36 feet, pop in a few uh, shed dormers. I mean, that's the same way that uh, the Fairfield Inn project, their, their, height, their ridge line height it exceeds 45 feet because they took advantage of the average height of the gable roof. Um, so that was my primary concern. I mean, I'm all in favor of this, um, you know, as, as proposed as a starting point for some of these amendments. But 
I would actually prefer to see us at the 24-foot height as originally uh, proposed by uh, Councillor Rocca and discussed at the City Council meeting. So. Thank you, Mr. Sanchez. Questions? Okay. Thanks. Anyone else? Uh, Elizabeth Metatrade, 3849 Grand Avenue. Well, here we are. Uh, the folks who, the property owners, uh, of course, they're going to want to make maximum financial gain from their property. That's natural. I feel like I represent at least 400 people who signed the petition, but I feel like I represent the majority of this city that wants those heights way down. We were ecstatic that 28 feet was talked about with the city council. We never thought we'd have that talked about. 35 feet was, oh my gosh. 28 feet, yes, yeah. When Roger said that, he said, we're, this is, we're nibbling around at this, but this is what most of the public wants. So you have a basic, there is the problem about the 30,000 square feet, working with the 28 foot height limit. But your job is, we have the property owners and we have the mass of the public. And you have a very difficult situation. But I feel that I've got to speak for them because they've asked for this for over 10 years. We've been talking about this. And this is it, rubber meets the road. And this is for our children and our grandchildren, what the city's gonna look like. It's tough. If I had a piece of property on the riverfront, well, if I was a billionaire, I'd buy it and make it into a park, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's very tricky. But there has to be limits on what people can do with the riverfront. Because it's beyond, it's beyond someone may own it or have a lease on it. But ultimately, it's about this city and what we want for the future of the city. So, I'm speaking for a lot of people. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Manatree. Would anybody else like to address the Planning Commission this evening? <clears throat> for the record, my name is Steve Fick, PO Box 715, Astoria, Oregon. I think you all know me. Uh, first of all, Mr. Steve Allen had asked me, he couldn't be here tonight. He supports the waterfront plan as it was adopted 10 years ago. It's a well-balanced plan. Uh, Mr. Allen, he has both, he has offices, he has um, manufacturing, restaurants along the waterfront, and it all mixes well from his perspective. So he'd like to see that. I. Although we're not talking specifically about the, the land I own right now on 4th Street, it's been brought up tonight. Um, I really feel it's a takings. It is a takings if you take away anything other than what I had an understanding while I was buying about 30 years ago. And I'm willing to talk about compensation for lowering my height restrictions. I may never want to, I've said it before, I may never want to build a 45 feet. It isn't all about money. It's about flexibility. I think some people that haven't been a small business owner don't understand how complex and how challenging it is. You know, when I came back from college, this place was a mess. And I chose to come back here and start a business and take one block and try to do something with it. 
And when you're continually being fought, it's so expensive to work over water like I have to. I have to have husband. I may need six residential rentals somewhere, sometime, just simply to maintain the property. You don't want the thing falling in the water. And it comes a point when property owners can't pay for it, and they can't sell it, and you limit the uses, it, you've got to have a little faith in capitalism. A little, little bit, you know, I've, I've been on that water for 44 years, since I was 18 years old. It's affected my life probably more than anybody in this room. And so when people come in here, well, we speak for the people, you know, it's just like the gentleman talks about the warehouse down there. That got me through college, and that was Bumblebee. The city wants to change it so bad, buy the damn thing. Then you can mow it down, do whatever you want to do with it. You know, those are options. But to ask people to always just lose your value because somebody else doesn't like it, I just fundamentally don't think that's necessarily right when you're when you've been responsible stewards of the of the properties. And I think I worked on that for years. You know, um, it's it's just um, you go too far with some of this stuff. And you're gonna, you, you gotta be careful what you wish for. You know, I've, I've said it before, I don't see us having a problem. I'd love to take you all down there. I walk it every day. Walked it again today. It's 7,256 steps from my office and the dog down around the back. And look at how much area it's never gonna be developed. It just simply is gonna stay open. And we're going to have those rear quarters. And that's what we looked at 10 years ago. We looked at things to be sure that we protected those areas. It's important to all of us. So to start putting in these black and white rules, I think it's, it's not right. And you are, in my opinion, it's a takings of my property if you change anything as it is. So thank you. Thank you, Mr. Fick. Mm -hmm. Anybody else like to address us this evening? Okay, seeing none. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for guidance from the staff. Okay. I will just address a couple of the comments that have been made if you'd like me to. Um, Please. One of the things that came up was the uh, housing issue. And I just want to let you know one of the options we are looking at, the urban core area that we are in the process of drafting right now, includes a section that allows additional height if housing is constructed for uh, medium income housing. And so that is one of the exceptions that could be uh, possibly added to the Ridge Vista area if uh, the Planning Commission so desired. We do have language in the urban core draft that we could uh, look at for housing. Um, we already talked a little bit about the port. We deliberately uh, omitted the industrial area because we did not want uh, to put the, a, the design review on the Pier 2 and Pier 3. It was just to take in the more pedestrian-oriented area uh, around the 
Riverwalk and, and the, Mar the Maritime Memorial. Um, the other thing is um, the question of whether we have clear and design review standards. That's another thing that we can look at between now and the continued hearing because we do have clear standards in the civic greenway area. Um, and what uh, the gentleman was referring to was there is two processes you can go through. One of them is design your building if it's residential, which includes multifamily, and take it through the design review committee. The clear standards have specifics and if you meet all of those specifics, not uh, subjective, then it can be a review by the planner and not in public review. And we have done that in the Civic Greenway area, and we can look at whether or not those codes we can adapt to the Bridge Vista area and address that direct process for residential type development. And, and to clarify, that is not something which the city of Astoria has discretion over as to whether to provide. That's something that is mandated by, mandated by state statute. But it's something that we are trying to get into the code and we already have it in Civic Greenway. We just had not put it in Bridge, bridge Vista yet. So we can look at adding that now. Um, and those are just a couple of the comments I want to make. And then we do need some direction on the comments that were done and some of the other questions so that I can clean the code up potentially for the next meeting. Okay. Thank you, Ms. Johnson. And Mr. Estes. Okay, so at this point, I will close. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. we're still... We're continuing until the April 23rd meeting is what we're what, looking at. What I would ask is that perhaps the commission discuss amongst yourselves some of these issues that Ms. Johnson had raised and some of the testimony that's received this evening and be able to provide staff with any feedback that you may have um, as to any changes you'd like to see um, at the next meeting. You know, getting some feedback tonight will help us be able to prepare um, for the next meeting. If there's questions that you need more information on, we can be researching that. If there's consist consensus on, on changes um, or consensus on some of these questions, we'll then be able to formalize that up better at the next meeting. And then once that discussion is finalized, uh, Chair Fitzpatrick, I would uh, just ask that you would then uh, continue the, the hearing to the date specific. Okay, so, so even though we will have a continuance, we will discuss this evening, and then we don't do a vote on the continuance, it's just automatic. You would need a motion and a second to continue it, and a uh, motion, second, and a vote to continue it to the next meeting. We will, okay. Yes, but I would, I would ask that you actually have the dialogue first before you, you call for a motion to continue. Okay. That dialogue is just to give us some direction <clears throat> on what you want in this next round of the draft. Okay, great. Thank you. With that, do we have anybody that would like to lead off with their comments? Mr. Moore. With regard to the questions that are on the screen currently, I'm ambivalent on the garage issue. I think if we don't include them, 
It, it may, yeah, I don't have a strong opinion. Uh, I, I would say I would lean on not including it in the square footage. Um, for the heights, while I understand there is current popular opinion on the 28-foot limit, and council, at least one councillor has recommended it, I am not finding support in the comprehensive plan. Section 68, number 1E, it is the only part of the Riverfront Vision Overlay Area Policies that even talks about height. And it says, use alternative development forms, for example, cluster development, narrower, taller profiles, setbacks, stepbacks, and gaps, and building frontages to preserve views. And then in the Riverfront Visioning Plan, which is my understanding is intended to be used to implement the comprehensive plan policies. On page 37, <clears throat> it says, trading building heights for width may be desirable in some instances, but a maximum height should be established and enforced. That maximum height likely would be on the order of one story above the base height, the base height being the height in the base zone. Not pretty clearly, seems to suggest that the policies should be implemented to use the base zone as the beginning height, and then if a development were to be narrower or apply setbacks or stepbacks, then you might allow an additional story to the base zone. In S2, the base height is 28 feet. That would allow up to 35 feet if setbacks were used for our building was narrower, which is currently the Bridge Vista allows for 35 feet in the S2. And um, so I don't, I'm just not finding support in the comprehensive plan for the 28 foot limit. So I don't know how to answer your question there. Um, now, hope there may be other commissioners that can find such support. Uh, I'm, I see my responsibility as uh, zone implementation of interpreting existing code language to make the changes to the zone. And if public sentiment is different than the comprehensive plan, then, then like usual, maybe we need to revisit the 11-year-old policies of the comprehensive plan. Anyway, um, those are my thoughts on the height. Commissioner Price. 
Sorry. Um, well, that's a, I think that's a reasonable argument, and I, I think we should think about that a little more. Just, just to stick with the definitions, um, I don't know what to say. I, I just have such a problem with the 30,000 if we're sticking with 28 feet, and since we're still looking at how to deal with that, it's hard to know how to answer. I can say that uh, I would not be in favor of variances over water. Um, I, I have, um, I, I understand and I, I have empathy for the property owners who are talking about um, um, their, their visions for their property in the future um, and that some of the things that we're talking about uh, are very frustrating to them and uh, high-handed. And frankly, I, I, I feel the same way um, about the threats of lawsuits and the mandates from the state and otherwise that, that prevent the city of Astoria from creating and crafting a vision of itself that differs from Portland or Seattle or other places. A, a place that wants to retain um, the basically village feel that it's had since perhaps the 70s or 80s. I mean, it's been decades. So, so that's frustrating to me too. I think we probably feel the same way, but for very different reasons, perhaps even totally opposite reasons. Um, I would, I want to think more, and I'm glad that we have this continuance now, although the 23rd looks like a, a mess, but uh, at least a very late meeting, if not a mess. Um, but I, I really want to think, uh, I'm, I'm glad to have the opportunity to think about this more. Um, I know that there are uh, local property owners or local people who, um, you know, just over a cup of coffee or something, you thought about, well, if I had this piece of property, I would do this, and it, in fact, would be maybe over 28 feet and certainly over 30,000 square feet, but would be fabulous, could be really a wonderful uh, experience for Astoria. But unfortunately, as far as I can tell, we don't have the ability to write into our code um, the, th the fact that, well, what we want is this, but not that. It basically has to be numbers. And, and so we don't have that ability, um, as far as I can tell. So those are my thoughts for tonight, and I thank you very much. Thank you, Commissioner Price. Interesting comments. Commissioner Cameron Lada. Um, for my part, um, I also think, um, I share some of the influences about the garage question. Um, I think I lean towards the side of encourage, of, of, uh, I'm confused about what this means, about, about the terminology here, but that of allowing, um, of encouraging the enclosed garages and allowing the building to be slightly bigger. Um, I'm also glad that we have some more time to think about this because we've spent this particular instance of the Planning Commission has spent a lot more time thinking about the urban core um, and so it's been a short amount of time that I've really been looking more closely at the Bridge Vista um, and I, I mean I would kind of I kind of lean towards thoughts like having um, this trade-off because again we're faced with um, you know a an overlay zone 
characterized by some really contradicting things. This is, you know, again, encouraging some development. We have, you know, areas like Uniontown, which have bigger buildings, have some more things going on in them. Um, and if we are going to have some more dense development, like these are the areas where it should be, are in, you know, the urban core and this part of the Bridge Vista. I'm happy to keep them, you know, that's why we have the neighborhood Greenway and the Civic Greenway separate. Um, and the way that I still feel kind of more comfortable um, capturing this contradiction is having more limits over water and allowing uh, and allowing some more height on land. Um, I think that I, um, you know, I'm definitely aware when I walk around the Riverwalk when there's, um, you know, some of the build, existing buildings, you know, on the um, land side that are a bit taller. Um, I definitely experience the shadow of them. Um, and I know what people are talking about when they're talking about not wanting to have a corridor. Um, but I also really feel like that's those are some exciting businesses that I like to spend time in. And so it's kind of a trade-off for me. I'm okay with having more happening on land if it means we can have some of these um, views over water. It's not, I know I'm not everyone shares this opinion, but it's not as important to me to have these big vistas available from car. I really find, find it you know, convincing and compelling that we should have them when we're walking around on the river walk, but I really want people to get out of their cars um, and, and enjoy Astoria. That's just not as much of a priority to me as I think it is for some people. One of the, some of the comments we got, we're talking about um, comparing it to Rockaway, and some of these, you know, there's a lot of beach towns that where the, you know, where you're driving is actually really a long distance from the beach, and it's okay for me. If you don't see the ocean right then, you get out of your car and you go walk there. Um, so I'm okay with having some, you know, a trade-off. I don't, I wouldn't, I don't think I need to require a 28 uh, maximum height on land. I would love some more. I'd be okay with some more height there. Thank you, Commissioner Cameron. Commissioner Corporate. Uh, yeah, the easy question. I would include garages in the gross quarter area. Yes. Uh, the hard question, this has been a very educational evening. I'm very enlightened by Commissioner Moore's uh, reflection on the comprehensive plan, as well as the competing interests by publics expressed at City Council Forum, and how things get kind of uh, brought up uh, in front of this body as well. And uh, so it is definitely a balance, and I'm glad I've got more days to think about it. Um, I respect definitely the interests of current owners of property experiencing change in the use and would like to find, I'd like to think more about that. Um, and I'm glad I have some more time to do that, and that's all I have for now. Thank you, Mr. Corker. Commissioner Wolfe. I also support the, uh, I would say the exclusion goes for the, the parking from the floor area, but I also understand the challenge from the development standpoint and being able to exclude that amount is going to mean you have know, a one-story building with that high restriction. So I'm not, I, I don't know how productive that will actually be within, within the development for that. Um, and I'm very much in agreement with uh, Commissioner Moore on a lot of the statements about the heights uh, restrictions as well as I would, would uh, support uh, variances to be allowed uh, on uh, some of the maximum height. Thank you. Okay, I should say thank you, Mr. Walton. So, the, uh, I uh, don't want garages included in the gross floor area. Uh, I'm also concerned about the conflict with the comprehensive plan. Uh, 
the variance, um, it, it was my memory and it was a while ago when we did this um, here, the slightly different uh, planning commission, was my memory that the variances were for the height were going to be um, for water related and something that we didn't know or didn't understand at the time, um, such as as the building across from Bowie with the fish ladders and so on. We don't know why it needs to be so tall, but there might be something that's water dependent that needs to be taller than the than the 28 feet. Um, so that was my memory of why we were going to allow the uh, the variances on the height. Uh, so I continue to believe that variances should be allowed, but I think that they should be for a water-dependent use. Can I ask, are you saying for overwater or land or both? Both. Or, I'm um, sorry, the water-dependent would have to be overwater. There can be water dependent. There can be water dependent uses on that. Yeah. And and I would also echo the sentiments about concern of the taking from the uh, property owners' rights. However, and I would ask. Uh, either the city manager or city attorney to clarify this. When I was concerned about a taking about five years ago when we were working on the Civic Greenway, I was told that our decision shouldn't be based on concerns of uh, uh, taking or uh, a threatened or otherwise lawsuit. Well, I I definitely think it's true that you shouldn't try to anticipate uh, lawsuits when you're doing your planning. The goal should be the betterment of the story and what the future is going to bring. But as far as taking and zoning goes, the, the, the rules are pretty difficult to make a taking case uh, in a zoning situation. You essentially have to eliminate any, uh, any, any possible use of the property. It's a little stronger than it is, but it's, it's a very strict standard. So um, I think you should do your planning, and then it can be analyzed for legal issues afterwards. Okay, uh, that's pretty much how I remembered it. We were supposed to do one thing, and you were supposed to worry about the other part. So, um, Ms. Johnson, did you get information that you need from the commission? I think I have some direction. Uh, we'll come back with some some changes and some suggestions as, and see if we've picked up the gist of what we've heard tonight from the public and from your directions. So I think I, think I have a somewhat idea where to go. Okay, do you have any other questions for us this evening? Uh, Mr. Chairman, uh, Ms. Johnson did ask us one question that I don't think we uh, talked about, which is that on the step backs for above 15 feet. Now, if, if we do stick to the 28, oh. 28 foot maximum height, uh, with or without some sorts of variances, um, then in any case, I would say I, I would not 
need a step back for um, for 15 feet to 28 feet. I mean, those are basically like the two-story buildings or so that we have throughout town, and they do not have step backs, and and they look very nice to me. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was getting from it, that if we allow a variance, then above 28, there would be a step back. Thank you, Commissioner Price. Thank you. So at this point, I believe we should have a motion and second for a continuance right. of a vote. Right. So, so and then we would move to the next item. Right. So what would be appropriate is for a motion to continue the public hearing on this item to the April 23rd, 2019 meeting, uh, which will begin at 6 p.m. at the Judge Boyd in the building. Can I make that motion? Yes, I so need I would make that motion exactly worded as the city manager presented, and I would have it for a second. No second. Seconded by Commissioner Moore. All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. So that item is continued, and we are now. last meeting before the Planning Commission and I want to say thank you to Nancy. Nancy and I um, have had an interesting relationship on uh, Council. Nancy did not agree with at least one of my decisions. We had, we had some, uh, some, I don't know if we had words, but we had some faces about that. But, <laughs> but I have really appreciated the work that you've done. I think that you came in, you were kind of green when you got here. I think this is your first planner job and really have grown a lot and uh, I really appreciate it. really appreciate getting to know you a little bit and I thank you for um, really being a, a real trooper in, in a difficult situation in the planning department and I wish you all the best at Crest and we're, I'm really going to miss you. I won't miss her. She's going to be working in my building. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your work. I have no, nothing other to report. Nothing else. Thank you. Commissioner Walker. I have uh, no report. I have no report. Commissioner I was also going to thank Nancy for her service. Um, and we're seven years ago, but I'm excited for new things for you. Yeah, you've been here as long as I've been here. <laughs>
Thank you. Uh, staff updates. I don't think we'll be having our first ABC meeting. That was on the second. Um, so we're just going to bump everything to the 23rd. But a reminder that's the traffic safety advisory yeah, we may, and Ms. Johnson and I were talking, we, we may look at, at bumping the Traffic Safety Advisory Committee <laughs> meeting just because of all the items that we have that night. So we may be looking at, at bumping that maybe to a, a subsequent meeting to be able to get through those agenda items. So maybe Traffic Safety at 559 p.m.? <laughs> <laughs> well, we could, we could poll you and see whether or not you want to start at, uh, at 5.30 for traffic safety, but uh, otherwise we, could, we were just maybe having some conversations at the break about looking at, at uh, postponing a little bit. So. Great. Thank you, Mr. Estes. We now come to the portion of public comments for non-agenda items. Is there anyone that would like to address the uh, Spray Planning Commission on any items that were not on tonight's agenda? Seeing none, we will adjourn. Yeah. Eight forty five.